Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Today I am joined by Marwa, aka Mimsy, on YouTube. Hi Marwa, how's it going? Hi, it's going really well. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good, thanks. Okay, I gotta ask you right away, just because, okay, the name Mimsy, was that mm. like a nickname or a pet name as you are growing up, or was that conscious? Because I remember, I think it was in 2015, there was a, an exhibition in London called Passions for Freedom. It was an annual art ex exhibit, and there was a Middle Eastern artist who goes by the name Mimsy, and a bunch of her stuff, they were told they couldn't display it because the cost of security would be too high because it would be offensive. And so I just didn't, I was just curious, like, did you... Oh, I want to I wanna say it's because of that. That's, <laughs> that's a way cooler story. I'm kind of annoyed that it's not that. It, no, it's not that interesting, unfortunately. Um, it's actually, I have a lot of, like, nicknames. Um, and that one is, is probably the most painful one, actually, because... It was like my bestest friend in like the whole wild, wild, you know, wide world, you know, someone I've been close to since I was like six. Um, she calls me that and she was the only one that calls me Mimsy. Um, and she doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> so it's like one of those things. So I, I, I told her that I don't believe in Islam and, you know, she's kind of one of the most religious people in my life as well. I think she always has been. Um, and yeah, she, she, we, we just don't talk anymore, but it's, it's weird. I kind of decided to name that, that name that kind of holds a lot of feelings behind it. I decided to call it that. So no one's asked me that question before though. <laughs> well, no, it, it's just, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, direct up some bad memories. Or whatever no, 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 not at all. I don't mind. No, I, I just thought like, yeah, I've never told anyone. So it's quite interesting, but yeah, so that, that's, that's the reason. <laughs> no, just cause I had heard of that artist. And I mean, I thought it was kind of ridiculous where yeah. it, was, it was an art festival about, it was called Passions for Freedom and it was about free expression. Okay. And, and I mean, okay, the pictures they banned, um, she did a series called Mysis and it was uh, these little woodland creatures. It was like a series for children that were called like the Sylvania animals or something like that. So there was like you yeah. know, squirrels and mice and that kind of stuff. And, and it was really just basically banal scenes, you know, a picnic, uh, a classroom, kids in a playground. Well, those are toys, aren't they? Yeah. So she, yeah. so she said oh. all these scenes, and in the background she had mice dressed up as Isis approaching all of these scenes, and they were called Mices. And then wow. the police and the insurance said it was going to be too expensive to insure those, and <laughs> they couldn't display them. So they displayed some of her stuff, but not those, even those, those that had been displayed somewhere else. And I'm like... You know, sorry. Then, so when you when your video started coming out, and I saw the name Mimsy, I just I was always curious <laughs> if, if it was related to that. But, yeah. That's so cool. I mean, I want to look that up. I'm going to look this person up afterwards because she seems interesting. I'll but, send you uh, a link to the um, well, the, yeah. the article about the art gallery and the banning of the thing. I mean, I don't know much else about her except for this. Um, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Right, anyways, speaking about your videos, like I, um, like I started watching your videos. And then obviously, you know, uh, your husband, Vidu, he does his own. Yeah. And, okay, so maybe I'm just, I don't know. The, the way I look at it is I find him, and I'm going to compare them both to animated uh, shows. So I find okay. his kind of like South Park. So it's it's very in-your-face and it's satirical. Right. Uh, but you, like, okay, and no offense intended whatsoever, but I found you. Go for it. 
more like the Powerpuff Girls. So it's like this little whimsical Yay! thing, and it's kind of cute, and it's like you don't expect much, and then out of nowhere, it's like bam. I am not <laughs> offended by being Powerpuff Girls. Now, I that is like a perfect description. That is just me. I'm super, super girly and very pink. Um, so anything I do will come across like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, as I said, that's kind of just my personality. So but, 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 it, I mean, you don't pull your punches though, right? I mean, you are, I'm not saying you're offensive or anything like that or rude, but you're very upfront about what you talk about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's important to be, um, in, 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 in some circumstances, but yeah, I think you're right in the sense that for a long time, actually, uh, Waleed Vidu, you know, he kind of struggled with, being upfront about it, I think, and I, I think that's partly actually because he, we, we were kind of going through the transition. I mean, he's been he's been doing videos for a while, so you'll see like his videos have kind of got more, <laughs> more punchy as as the years have gone on, and that's because they've kind of the views have solidified. Um, and obviously, I've only come on in the last kind of six months or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think my personality is also that like I, I'm quite straightforward and I work in business so you 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 have to be straightforward in business um so yeah so it's it's kind of the person I am as well <laughs> um I wanted to talk about one of the videos you did and there was one you actually had done with uh, with bleed and it was the one about the returning ISIS fighters oh um, yeah now okay I agree with the majority of what you guys said and like I the, there's very little difference uh, my thought process was these people have, at the very least, they should be investigated for war crimes. You know, I, I, the people returning, so like yeah, Shamima Begum, for yeah, example. All of them. I mean, anyone, if you if you were there and you fought for ISIS, yeah. Okay, you should be investigated. Now, oh, yeah. Uh, there is a report from the federal police in Canada, uh, and they said, you know, it's almost impossible to investigate those kind of crimes in Canada. And I'm assuming it'd be the same in the UK or anywhere in Europe. And I don't want to put pressure on the infrastructure in like Syria and Iraq and all that. But the money you're wasting, and I, I consider it wasted money bringing them here and trying to try them here and all that. You could use that money and you can help to firm up the prison camps. You can you know, use prisons that are already existing that are hard sites and take over a couple of wings and put these people in there. You can do all kinds of things there. You can investigate them there. And if you mean in Syria to do all of that in Syria. Yeah, okay. Well, that's where okay, the people who are affected by them, that's where they are. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. are, are you going to parade Yazidi around all over the world to trial after trial to, uh, to be witnesses? I mean, wouldn't it be better you have, all the people who were affected by ISIS in that region, they're there. You can do investigations on the ground. You can you can do all that stuff there. So instead of spending money bringing them here, then doing all those investigations, you know, in the UK, in Europe, in North America, in Australia, you should wherever, right? Mm. Spend that money to, you know, like I said, keep them in prison, help shore up the prisons there. You know, if you've got prison camps. I mean, the, the, some of the conditions in the camps, they're appalling. Like, there was an article yeah. that came out that, at least in one of the camps, the ISIS, the women who were, you know, the ISIS brides, like the, the women of ISIS, they were setting up systems internally into the camp the way ISIS had set up their, their communities. Mm. And so, yeah, no, they, they are very bad conditions. And, I mean, that's why 
partly Shamim Begum's um, children were dying, you know, th- her three children. Um, but I don't know, I've never heard that version of it before. I've always just thought of it as, you know, it, they are our responsibility. I mean, if, if there are citizens, it's like we kind of need to go through the proper procedure of them kind of coming here. And, and I almost kind of felt bad for Syria and for them to kind of take that responsibility when it's not their citizens to have to deal with all the kind of crap that comes with them still being there. Um, but I've never thought about that. That's a, that's a interesting way of doing it. If we'd still kind of take control, but just shift it to us going there. But I don't know if that'll make it cheaper. Uh, but I yeah, think. I don't know if it'll make it cheaper, but I think it'll be fairer all around. You know, okay, someone who's here and there's a lot of hatred, uh, let's say there's a trial going on and then, mm-hmm. you know, three consecutive uh, terrorist attacks happen in whatever country that trial is going on. Mm-hmm. Won't th- and if this person honestly didn't do anything, because there were families who were living there who didn't do anything, right? Like there was uh, Nadia Murad, the Yazidi woman, uh, I mean, she's like the UN ambassador, um, Mm. Uh, for peace or something like that. I mean, you know, an incredible story. She was helped out by a family living in ISIS territory who smuggled her out, and they eventually got found out and were killed. Now, a family like that, they're living in ISIS territory. They're not complicit in any of it, right? Mm. So they shouldn't be punished for war crimes or anything like that. But if, let's say, one of them was being tried in whatever country, and like I said, you know, there's three consecutive terror attacks... Is that going to shift people's way of thinking to want to maybe punish these people for something else that was done and they had nothing, you know, no part of it, right? So I'm just thinking like the fairest way to do it is in those places. And we're talking about like responsibility to your citizens and stuff. Uh, All the nations who have signed on to those war crime treaties are responsible to those treaties and to the other nations and to the people that those crimes were committed. So if their citizens were complicit in those actions, I think they should take a responsibility and say, yeah, these are our citizens, but... You know, they are accused of some horrendous acts, and we want the truth of it known. And you're owning, like, you know, I'm not saying you're you're just letting them rot, but you're making sure that yes, these are our citizens, and we're going to own up, and they're going to be, you know, we're not going to stop any due process from happening. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert in law, obviously. I'm not, you know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you're letting who rot though? I don't, I don't, I don't fully catch the kind of. Who who do you think is missing out if if they come back here and try and are trialed here? Well, okay, I'm thinking if they come back here and are tried here, like I said, there was the Canadian Federal Police, and um, I remember seeing something from Interpol about the difficulty in investigating and finding out the truth of if these people were actually did commit war crimes or not. I don't know if that would be made easier if they were there. I know there may be more people to kind of investigate in terms of interviewing. Um, But I I don't know. It it is just one of those things that is very difficult to investigate as well because of the the, the way that it is, you know. Um, But, I mean, certain things would be easier. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, let's let's say you're, okay, Shamima Begum, let's just take her for example. So they know the region that she was caught in or where she surrendered right they know that area so people who were captives of isis in that area i mean you can just show them her picture like do you know have you do you remember this person and if mm-hmm. one of those people does or a few of those people do and they said okay yeah she did this she did that you can 
but doing that from the UK or doing that from, uh, you know, like then when you're going to, like you can have her in the UK and you can pass her a picture around. But once you do have confirmation, how are you going to try that in the UK? Are you going to fly those people from that region to the UK to testify against her? You know, that's what I mean. Like she's not, you know, like, so I think you can, if you're going to bring so you them would here, keep her there yeah. the whole time and, and until the whole process is done. And if she's found not guilty, you know, bring her back. If you want to try her for treason against the crown, go ahead. That's yeah, up to, that, you know, that could definitely happen. I think also with, um, this is a totally random case. It's just cause I was watching a documentary the other day, but the, the Madeline Mc, McCain, uh, where that little girl went missing and that, and she went missing in Portugal, but she's British. And in that scenario, you know, our, our forces went over to, to Portugal. So I do think there's a way, and if there were a case, it would be brought back to England. If they had found someone, it, they would be brought back to England. So um, it, I don't know. I think if, um, well, I think there'd be, they'd have a case in Portugal and England, actually, that's what they said, sorry. Um, but I don't mind the idea of having an investigation in Syria gaining these kind of, um, you know, recordings of people, or I don't know, there must be ways around it. I don't think they necessarily have to do it there. But I wouldn't mind either way, to be honest, as long as these people are accountable, I don't really care how it happens. Um, I think that the problem with Shamima Begum, the, the main problem is that people were just saying, just leave her there to die, as in, she's kind of given up her right to even be tried. And that was the thing that I kind of wasn't too sure about. I mean, if if she's tried there or tried here, that doesn't bother me as much. Um, it, it's more just, I think, especially with her kid recently dying, um, you know, and that was why she was kind of crying out to, to Britain to help her. Um, I do think that perhaps there should have been something a bit more, um, you know, a bit more help should have been done. Just even just kind of bringing the kid over, that's kind of what I initially thought, you know, because that, that kid would have been a British citizen as well. And then, again, our responsibility, and we just kind of let him d- die, knowing that he most likely will die. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, leaving her there, any of them there, okay, just leave him there to rot. And, okay, I, I understand it. There's, like, a certain part of me that, you know, fuck them. They just did the worst things possible. But, right. no, um, you know, I, I don't want to that's something that ISIS would do. You know, like, I, I don't want to do that. I, I think they should be given a trial. And okay, for her baby. So when it came out that she wanted to come back to the UK, and I'm sure before it became public, you know, things were going on in the background. At that point, okay, bring her to a hospital. Have her get some prenatal care. Like, I think that that's, should have what it, that's what should have been done. I, I, yeah. I'm surprised that that wasn't. Um, well, exactly. That's the thing. It was like... It's happened so many other times. I mean, Shamima Pegum is like one of many. So normally they do bring them over and, and, and you know, that's it. The government essentially pays for them. Um, but it was just this anger all across Britain. And it wasn't, it wasn't even kind of like 50-50. It was like a, the majority would, did not want her back and were happy for her just to be accountable for decisions she made when she was what's how old was she 15 um which i just thought was unfair um even though it's crazy what she's done and she should be accountable and she should be punished you know i kind of was happy 
seeing her do some jail time or something along those lines. But um, but I thought it was unfair. You know, we're, we're not barbaric in that way just to be like, well, you should like rot and die. Um, and I think they also were saying to her, well, you can go back to kind of Bangladesh. Um, but I, they've been saying she's a dual citizen, but then other people are saying she's not. I don't think she actually is. I think she has. Uh, she had right to claim Bangladeshi. Okay, right. again, this is, you know, there's so many stories out there. So I think what it was yeah. was her parents were Bangladeshi, like they were born there and you know, they yeah. came over to the UK. She, mm-hmm. I believe she was born in the UK, but because of yeah. her parents, they, she had right to claim that citizenship. Yeah. But I don't know what the cutoff date, like I know for like Canada, I believe it's 18. So let's say I had dual citizenship or I was born in Canada. My parents moved to the States when I was very young, one or two. And mm-hmm. I grew up in the States. At 18, I could at that point say, no, I don't want my Canadian citizenship anymore, right? I could just renounce it. Right. And I would just be a U.S. citizen. Um, I don't know if that's – or I could go at 18 and say, okay, I want to still keep my Canadian passport and keep dual citizenship, right? I, I could do that. She was in ISIS territory when she was 18. I don't know what the age limit is with Bangladesh anyway, so, you know. Yeah, um, there isn't always an age limit, but her dad actually lives in Bangladesh, like okay. has lived in Bangladesh. So it's just her mom actually that's in the UK. Um, so yeah, so so that's interesting. But just a side note, sorry, I I, I tend to kind of jump from thing to thing, but it. I just I just thought of something. This is something I was thinking about because for many years I actually so I'm Egyptian and Moroccan, and my plan was to always get um, <laughs> citizenship in both. Um, and actually, recently, my my family have been saying we need to you need to get the Moroccan kind of national card, or whatever. And I've been thinking now that I'm like an ex-Muslim, that's like everyone, you know, I'm on the internet and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, maybe not such a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've always thought, well, I'm British; they can't do anything to me if I go there. But <laughs> if I like become one of them, that scares me a little bit. But yeah, it's just yeah, something no. that I've been thinking about. <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, like the the nationality thing. But getting back to like her, like I said, you could have, yeah. you know, again, it, I don't want her to, I'm not saying let her rot and, you know, just let her die. Let let the kids die or whatever. Obviously, like if anyone needs looking after, it's these children. Um, it's also, you know, people are talking about, okay, we can rehabilitate her. We can rehabilitate them. We can spend money. Again, I, I you know what, these people if they did what they did, if, you know, maybe she didn't do anything explicitly, whatever. Yeah. But to rehabilitate her as opposed to the Yazidi children or the children of, I mean, I, the Yazidi are the yeah. easiest ones to point yeah. out, but like Shia, Christian, Jewish, um, yeah. Sunnis who didn't think quite right, you know, uh, Sufis, whatever. Like the kids that were, the, the young boys that were taken and turned into killers, if anyone needs rehabilitation, they do. And if, if we want to claim responsibility as this is our fault, I think a lot of that responsibility, like a lot of our responsibility is to help rebuild at least those lives. If not, you know, if not the, you know, I'm not talking about going in and doing the whole infrastructure, all that, but mm. at least those lives that were, if you want to feel some guilt or something, you know, why does it have to be like her or them oh, sort of thing? Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't think it should be her or them, but I think if there's if you have limited resources and you want to yeah. you want to help people right away, I think the immediate help needs to go to those who are getting their lives back in order. Like I said, like mm-hmm. with with her and with anyone else who is you know 
part of ISIS or was part of ISIS and they're, you know, you know they're in this like no man's land type of thing. So mm-hmm. let's investigate them. Let's try them. While that's going on, you can help, you know, that's, that's not going to happen in a day or two, right? That's going to take a while to get that done. The yeah. time you're doing that, you can use productively to help the people in that region. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to just have an organization that helps anyone, <laughs> whether it's the EZD people or ex-ISIS people or just kind of have this program where they do get kind of, you know, rehab. But, um, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, it's, it's difficult because I can't see, like, Britain kind of really... I don't know, maybe they would. Getting, I'm just thinking getting involved with kind of helping everyone at the same level, whether they're British or not, um, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's... Especially the politicians who say, you know, who are like, oh, we have to do this. Um, they were, you know, when... I, I forget his name, uh, Javed, I believe, who, like, the, the minister who revoked her citizenship. Mm, you know, and yeah. the politicians, oh, this is our responsibility. I'm like, okay, yes fine if it's your responsibility then it shouldn't your responsibility extend to the victims of your citizens who caused who did those crimes you know it's oh we're going to bring them back and we're going to rehabilitate them they're going to become useful members of society and we've paid our debt and we've absolved ourselves of any responsibility i'm like what about the responsibility to the people that suffered yeah, no, definitely. No, I, I agree with you totally. Something something should be put into place for them as well, absolutely. I, I don't know the likelihood of it happening is, is the only yeah. thing I'm questioning, but it's it would be great if it did. Um, but unfortunately, but I think, I think it's, it's, sorry, it's, I, unfortunately, I think it's, like that kind of conversation is being lost because I see, I follow a lot of Yazidi accounts. Okay. And it's just, you know, that's basically all they're saying. It's like no one's listening to us. No one whatsoever is listening to us. And it's, you know, it's one of the articles I read, it was like, you know, ISIS brides are being given um, preference over Yazidi victims. And, Mm. you know, the Yazidi, like all of those people are the victims in this situation, right? Like the Yazidi, the the Shia, the Christians, like all of them. They were the Mm -hmm. ones who were raped. They were the ones whose kids were stolen. They were the ones who were slaughtered. Yeah. And everyone's, kind of concerned about these returning fighters like oh what's going to happen with them it's, you know it's misplaced I think it's, I think it's more more fear factor with with the, the fighters I don't I don't know if it's like that they they're caring about the, the fighters so much yeah. um, but you're right I definitely think there's not enough being said or done um, for the UZD people and everyone that kind of you know went through you know where the victims as you said Um but but I, I yeah I mean I, I I'm hopeful that there will be sort of organisations that will um, support them but it it won't I can't imagine it being kind of government set organisations it will be you know non non gov things which is a shame because I think if the British government as you said took responsibility and then were like because of what our people have done. Um, we need to kind of help the victims, but yeah, it's, I just can't see that happening. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a downer, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now that we've depressed everyone, <laughs> yeah. uh, I wanted to get your take on, uh, 
like after the Christchurch shooting, and then you know the, the big conversation around wearing the hijab as a symbol of solidarity with Muslims. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just like, oh no. <laughs> um, I mean, I it's like I I get they're kind of wanting to you know show unity or something but it's just the strangest thing for me it's like what it is it's just ignorance I mean they just don't know really what the hijab is or what it resembles you know what the meaning behind it and it it, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever um it it annoyed me actually there's so many things actually that, that annoyed me obviously obviously I was heartbroken about what happened but it's like what happened afterwards was this kind of attack on ex-Muslims as well and people criticizing. So those two things, the hijab and and then the attack on ex-Muslims were uh, just really frustrating. Um, but with, with the hijab, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense for someone to in any way, well, it's, it's a symbol of oppression, okay? So, I mean, that that's what it is. There's just, there's nothing, there's no way around it. Um, and so for someone to wear it, you know, in, in solidarity or whatever they're wearing it for, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, there were women suffering all around the world because of it. Um, it's just the wrong way to go about it, even though I, I get their intention. Yeah, I mean, that's like I, I don't do much on Twitter except for make smarmy remarks, but I did like a short thread about that. <laughs> and I said, you know, it's misplaced altruism. Yes. And, okay. In, I don't know what the stats are in uh, New Zealand, but in North America, or at least Canada and the United States, it's about 51% that don't wear the hijab and 49% of Muslim women that do wear the hijab. So right. based on like stats like that, if I use those for New Zealand, you're, only, you're using a symbol that only represents 25% of the Muslims in your country. Yeah, but also and, just women as well. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, that's, but that's just it. Like, you know, it's it's half the women in your country. That's who that's who you're representing. Mm. And I suggested using a green armband. I said, you know, mm. if you want to show a symbol of solidarity with Muslims, like people wear yeah. armbands as symbols of you know memorials and things like that. And green is a color associated with Islam. So I'm like, mm. wear a green armband. It you're showing solidarity. You're showing mourning. Yeah, and. It's inclusive of every single Muslim. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. It's almost like they really want to go and do the like biggest possible gesture because there is this kind of fear around around Muslims. I mean, there is. I don't. You know, they, they don't want to upset them. They want to show so badly that they're not going to offend them and. Um, yeah, so it's. I feel like it would be different if it was another group. It wouldn't be like we have to dress in their dress. Like, I can't imagine it being the same. I, I'd, I'd imagine it being an armband if it was another group of people. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, but like I said, it, it's still, you know, everything you said about the hijab, 100%, it's, you know, it's, it's oppressive. There's women all around the world fighting to take it off. I mean, yeah. just this year, Pakistan had you know a women's march, which is incredible, and then the government turned around and said, "Well, that's un-Islamic." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, I know. It's too bad. Yeah, but you know, so that's why I mean, like, it seems to me like it was just they. I mean, they okay, we got to do something. We got to show solidarity. We'll, we'll, and obviously, it's not you can't plan for something like this. So it was just they spoke to someone 
oh, you represent the Muslim community. What should we use? And it was, I think it was about as thought out as that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, that that was that was annoying. But it's like I I, I kind of respected everything she uh, that I've forgotten her name. The the is she the prime minister or president? Prime, prime minister. minister, right? Yeah, like everything she um, was doing and kind of you know she seemed like she genuinely kind of cared, which is something you want in obviously a leader, and she seems great. So I was kind of really touched by her. Um, but then, yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, I just wish like if they knew more, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like assuming I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt almost. Like I feel like maybe they just don't quite get it, but it's, I don't know. No, but it's okay. a weird thing to do. I get, you know, when she went to the ceremony the day right after the service, mm. okay, you're going to a religious ceremony you're you're going to a memorial service. I had no problem. You know, I I, I, I the people who were complaining that day, I, I found that was kind of ridiculous because, you know, my mom who's Muslim who's never worn the hijab in her life, but you know she covers her hair when she prays. Mm. Um, where when she's somewhere, like if she goes back to India or if she goes somewhere where she hears the azan, she'll cover her hair when she hears, she hears the azan, like the call to prayer. Mm-hmm. So she would have covered her hair going to something like that, and so the prime minister doing it, I you know it's. It would be like a U.S. president or you know, like a, like a male leader going to a synagogue and putting on a yarmulke. Like it's just a sign of respect, right? Um, my issue was just the general population doing it, and the, oh, this is our solidarity with Muslims. And you had the newscasters covering their hair. Um, yeah, you know, all that was a little ridiculous. No, I mean, I don't even think she should have done it. I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone needs to. If it's not your religious practice and you're doing it out of respect, I think it's like, I think that the people that are suffering need to be respected just a little bit more in that situation. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind people wearing it because my mom wears hijab all the time. Um, I, if you want to wear it because this is what you believe in, whatever, that that's something else. Um, but just to wear it as a symbol I think you should really know like what you're wearing, like what it really represents. Because um, if you don't stand for those values, which, you know, I don't think she would. That's why I almost feel like she uh, just needs to be like informed. Maybe I should just go down there, have a little conversation with her. and <laughs> for tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, just. But uh, as I said, I, I I I get it. Like I get that it. it was a, it was a gesture, and it's like um, it reminds me of um the Ben Affleck thing. You know when um Ben Affleck was speaking to Sam Harris, and it reminds me a bit of that because I I had the same sort of feeling where I was like, oh, like that's so sweet that he is like trying, but it's not. It's like not the right way and he doesn't quite get it like it's just like misplaced um but yeah so yeah, well it, that's what i called the hijab i said it was misplaced altruism it was just, yeah well you said it perfectly yeah. exactly but that's okay the ben, the ben affleck thing i i have more issue with that than i do with the hijab because it's this you know the like whatever the bigotry of low expectations but, but this idea that you know Muslims or those people over there, they don't need to 
do any better or they don't know any better. And then, you know, it goes one step beyond. It's like, okay, we have to come fix your problems for you because you don't know any better. But then they're also implying that, you know, we caused your problems. Like, you're too stupid to have caused your own problems, so we are guilty for causing your problems. You're too dumb to have caused them. You're also too dumb to fix them, so let us come over and fix the problems that we caused for you. That's, I mean, maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but that's how I see it. It's yeah, I don't remember. I mean, this has been years since I've watched it, but I don't remember that part. <laughs> well, okay, I don't, I don't mean him specifically. I mean the whole idea in general. Like, the like, idea, oh, you know, like, okay. Like him saying, oh, that's gross and racist. For, yeah. for saying speaking of that about Islam, and then when he, you know, when Sam Harris talks, starting to talk about ISIS, he's like, "Oh, ISIS can't even fill up a, a, a like whatever a, a college football stadium or something like that." But you know, and like, there's an implication in there that, and it's not so much from him and what he said that night, but like from that kind of attitude that it's always the fault of someone else. It's not the fault of, you know, it's. ISIS is not the fault of Muslims. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like Islam is not the fault of Muslims or whatever. Like, it's just like there, there's a, a good anecdote in uh, Douglas Murray's book, uh, Strange Death of Europe. And it was about this journalist speaking to Yasser Arafat. And as the journalist was leaving, one of Arafat's aides came in and told him that the American delegation was there. So when the journalist asked him why the delegation had shown up, Arafat started laughing and said the U.S. delegation was going around the Middle East to apologize for the Crusades. And it's like, okay. Wow. The U.S. was, you know, whatever. The Mayflower landed in 1620 or 1621. Yeah. Uh, you know, the U.S. was founded as a country in 1776. The Crusades happened when? Like, you know, why was America <laughs> going around apologizing for the Crusades? It, it's things like that. Yeah, like that's, that's, that is very odd. You know. But I agree with you totally. And yeah, that that kind of uh, idea really irritates me as well, where it's just like, it's, it's more like it doesn't come from Islam. I think that's the way that they see it. Like if there are, I saw another video that my mom sent me actually, and it was this woman that was just saying like, um, you know, the problem is just these people that have mental illnesses and are just crazy. Um, and that's why they go to ISIS and stuff like that. But it's like, okay, there is an extent of people that are looking for violence. Um, you know, the people that kind of convert to it, whatever, but they get it from somewhere. You know, it's not like they just kind of followed this, the, the most peaceful religion and then plucked it out of nowhere. Um, and I think that's the, that's the thing that is like, they don't seem to get it's like there are literal passages <laughs> and sharia laws that are violent um and it it's like people just can't face that they can't face the reality of that and I, I don't i don't get it because it's just seems so black and white to me but <laughs> well i think part of the problem is um and i think it's it's starting to change a little bit but get into that in a sec but i think part of the problem is they equate it with christianity so Christianity, you know, especially in, in Western countries. So Christianity yeah. has those passages, but they found ways to temper them. They found ways, okay, uh, you know, let he who is out without sin cast the first stone, mm. you know, the separation of church and state, like give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Like, so you have things like that, and they found ways to get around it. And so even people who are Christian today, except for some, you know, really far right, um, evangelicals or you know like there, there's a thing in the states called uh 
the re uh, Reconstructionist Christians who want to bring back the laws of the Ten Commandments, right? So, the, except for people like that, mm -hmm. you know, Christianity is pretty benign. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, like as far as following those rules go, so they don't quite understand that. Oh well, Islam must be the same thing. We're in the 21st century, so I think more and more people are starting to see that it isn't. But my worry now is because of the attacks on ex-Muslims, because of the attacks, like, just after the, this Christchurch thing, I, I think that brings it, like, and before I go on, I just want to say, like, I don't think either of us is trying to make light of what happened at Christchurch. We're just... No, no. We're talking about, like, the things that happened afterwards, and I, I'm just more concerned about how worse the conversation's going to get. So, so saying that like, all of us are attacking Islam when we're criticizing, or attacking Muslims when we're criticizing Islam... That's been going on since 9-11, mm -hmm. and the more and more that's been said, the more and more bad actors have been coming into the conversation, and people who are truly bigoted, and people who are saying it's Muslims, people who are saying, you know, kick all the Muslims out, you know, don't let any more Muslims, you know, like, things like that. Yeah. I, I just refuse to give up any more ground to that, though, and I, I don't think we should, and I think we should continue to push back and say... Like, no, this is our fight as well. This is something that concerns us. And we're going to keep speaking because it, it, I mean, I, I think it needs to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the thing is the problem with, and that's why I feel like it's so unique to Islam. And I, I, I can't figure out like, you know, what people are thinking. I, I don't know if it's from fear, but it's, it's unique to Islam because you can pretty much criticize any other group of people and, 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 and religion and, you know, comedians are always talking about how, like, they'll rip into Christianity or whatever, but it's like Islam is untouchable um, and people are just too scared to go there. But it's 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 just about critiquing an ideology. You know, I, I got messages like, oh, well, are you happy now um, after Christchurch? And it's like, what part of what, have, when have I ever said that, you know, I want people to die? It's, it's the opposite. You know, what, what we're saying is kind of we're struggling with the violent verses and the things that we don't agree with in this book. We're not going around saying, you know, we want anything bad to happen to Muslims. It's like, it's so ridiculous to even put them together. Um, you know, especially, I mean, people are people, but also our family are Muslims, we were Muslims, it's it's never something that, you know, occurs to us. So, as you said as well, there are people out there who, you know, truly criticise Islam and are really bigoted in, in the way that they criticise Muslims and people and are, you know, racist or whatever they are. So there are people out there who are actually like that. So why would we want to leave the narrative of critiquing Islam just to people like that as well? Um, and have them as the only people and, 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 and not actually have real critics of the ideology itself. Um, you know, so, it, yeah, it, re it really annoys me. And this whole kind of Islamophobia thing is just, I hate actually seeing that word. It's just, it just, it just annoys me now. Like, I don't, if someone says it, I'm like, just scratch the word. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's really frustrating. Oh, no, um, I, I hate that word. I, I, uh, yeah. I just... Uh, <clears throat> I just spoke with, <coughs> excuse me. I just spoke with a friend of mine, Jen Sutton, and I just put, I just uploaded it um, not too long ago, and we talked about that, like the, the whole thing about Islamophobia, and it's just, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I hate that term. It, yeah. It, it, it serves no purpose, and it's, um, it's got to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's become a, it's become like a safety blanket for people just to kind of criticize and say, well, you're Islamophobic, but it's it, you need to define what we're doing here. And that's not we're not attacking people. Um, that's not what it's about. Did you, have you read uh, your government's definition of Islamophobia? No, actually. What does uh, it say? Oh, God, it's, it's a long thing, but I mean, it, it's focusing on it's it's making it racist to it's calling everything Islamophobia like so it's almost getting to the point of using the term like Islamic terrorism that's Islamophobic now um, I sent I sent the link to uh, to Waleed so maybe check with him but um, yeah I will it's a, wait using the, the the term Islamic terrorism it, it, it could if you read that article if you read that thing that term okay, I'll read be it. construed as Islamophobia um, there's actually a group in the States, CARE, uh, the Council of American Islamic Relations. Um, they're pushing for legislation to be brought in along those lines that if you, if you can, if you say Islamic terrorism, things like that, I, I haven't looked at everything they've said, so, um, I should take this with a huge grain of salt, but, you know, they were saying that, you know, using like terms like Islamic terrorism should be equated with Islamophobia. I mean, the thing is, is like, I, I, I get that people are, you know, as I said, there are bigots against uh, kind of Muslims and things like that. I mean, I've, I've experienced it myself. And, you know, even as an ex-Muslim, I've had people be like, you know, um, go back to your country and, oh, you're... Actually, I remember when I was young, someone was telling me, like, oh, you're, are you Osama bin Laden's daughter and stuff like that. Like, I've, I've experienced that kind of, you know, uh, whatever, racism, whatever you want to call it. But it's... You know, it, it happens and it's something that we need to make sure doesn't happen. <laughs> but it's like they're overcompensating and just being like, OK, so now you can't do you can't even like whisper like you can't even like do anything about criticize anything about the actual religion. It doesn't make any sense. Like what they're saying isn't helpful. <laughs> OK, I don't know. I'll get your thoughts on this, but I'm just going to. Mm -hmm. to, like expand on a little bit but okay so right after the thing happened in Christchurch like I saw it the next day friends were posting on their Facebook or tweeting it out there was one that was like a little pyramid that had showed how whiteness leads to white supremacy and so it was building on top of each other the other one was this couple of paragraphs that you know said oh if you're white and you don't think you're racist here's the problem and it's all about the whiteness and I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, no wonder they think that when criticizing Islam is criticizing Muslims because these people are saying that if you're white, you're racist, guaranteed. There's no, there are no two ways about it. It's all about your identity. And if they can't separate a white person from a white supremacist, how mm -hmm. the hell are they going to separate, you know, the ideology of Islam from a Muslim? They're going to equate the two. And it's, I don't know what your thoughts are on this whole whiteness thing. Like, I mean, I find it so repugnant. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so do I. I haven't seen that pyramid. That's that sounds really ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well. It's like white people are like afraid to be now kind of put into the box of being a white supremacist. Like everyone's just wanting to like tiptoe around each other now, and it's just like, oh, if I say this and. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just so ridiculous. And it, as a society, I feel like we've become super sensitive about, and I, you know, there, ha- there has to be a level of, you know, not attacking people. Obviously, no one wants to do that, but it's, it, it, it's just gone to the extreme of, like, we can't even, you know, be white. <laughs> yeah. you, know what, you know what really bugs me is we're all the descendants of the people who left the cave, you know, who, like, looked on the mountaintop, saw the, the far valley and said, okay, I got to go over there and figure out what it is. We're not mm-hmm. the descendants of the people who cowered wherever they were and stagnated, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're descendants of explorers and, you know, people who took chances. And here we are like quivering in terror at words like what the yeah you know like how you know it's it's just too much I'm, I, I'm i'm hoping it will change but i'm trying to be hopeful that like they'll come around and like people will realize you know it's just that there, there are limits in a, in a way but uh at the same time when it comes to criticizing an ideology there there should be no limits um you know um, but I don't know. We'll see. But I think the the rise of the ex-Muslims is something that is hopefully really helping that. And I was kind of really hopeful and excited, especially when like Rahaf, um, you know, came to Canada and all of that happened. I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. You know, this whole kind of discussion and debate around what she's experienced and having to get away from it all and what's happening in Saudi Arabia and all this stuff is, is kind of actually being discussed um but yeah i do think with this christchurch thing it's now kind of everyone's become a little bit more scared um but i think i think that will change again i think we just keep going around <laughs> yeah i mean i hopefully i mean i, I want to keep like i said i'm not going to give up any more ground getting back to their huff thing uh just a little aside to it okay it was awesome that you know she got all the help and i mean it, it's i, I amazing like you said the fact that there there's a spotlight on saudi arabia but one of the things mm. i saw especially in canada because canada you know brought her in mm. a lot of people are saying okay we should fight to bring all these saudi women over here it's like, mm-hmm. okay you know laudable it's a great idea but maybe spend some of that effort on trying to fix things there so they don't want to leave like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like do you want to strip yeah. saudi arabia of half its population yes that's not help and that's not really help it's not helping because there's just so many people you're right exactly you can't bring them all just like have an empty country no it doesn't make any sense I mean definitely if you can help people help you but yeah as you said you've got to help people with the um, cause you know get right to the root of the problem Um, and you know I I made a video kind of about that and I I kind of mentioned uh, reform and reform is like a whole other thing but in the sense of like, I, you know, I think it kind of got misunderstood of what I was saying. Because what I meant was like, that I don't see Saudi Arabia suddenly becoming like an atheist country or anything, but like, they need to reform the way that they manage their Islamic views. Um, and the way that they manage their, their Sharia law. I mean, it's, it's happened in, well, in, in some cases, in, in various laws, it's happened in other Muslim countries. Um, and it just it, it needs to happen in Saudi Arabia, and we are dependent on them, and they're dependent on us. So something needs to kind of break, you know. Um, but that's the difficulty: is that 
none of these Western countries are willing to give up their, well, their oil supply, really. Yeah. Um, okay, there's, there's something like the, you know, we're talking about Islam and the, you know, obviously in the West, the concern is terrorism and stuff, but then you, you know, you have issues like with all the women. I mean, like, I think those are, not that terrorism is not a, problem and it's not like something that should be taken lightly but i think the general conditions like the conditions for women or you know the, the sultan of brunei just recently saying he wants to pass a law where any one of the lgbt community is going to get stoned i mean that's and not, and not and not stoned by smoking good pot like stoned to death right like it's um, ridiculous i thought it was a joke when i saw that i was like is this real life and they start calling there were, there's an article that came out recently in the, it was in February, came out in the Atlantic and it was talking about the jihad going back home. Uh, and they're talking about going back home in the Middle East. So like, I mean, there's all these, you know, things now, news reports coming out, oh, ISIS has been defeated. We've defeated ISIS. Mm. And people are going to get complacent. Like okay, the, the caliphate's moving into Africa. Like they're, they're starting to set up a foothold down there, right? Mm. Uh, and then this article was talking about how a lot of these people are, going to go back to their countries and they were talking about how they're taking a page out of Iran's book because Iran started focusing more internally and he's like they're saying okay we might have an issue of where they're not going to do global attacks as much you know they're going to focus right. more on trying to bring the countries and the people there into a more fundamentalist view of, like a more Salafi view of Islam, right? So any of the, like, there, there's polls out from Saudi Arabia in 2013 where something like 19% of the people were um, at least questioning, and I think it was 5% who were outright open atheists, um, which That's is That's interesting. Yeah. I've not heard that before. Yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a Ipsos Gallup poll, um, and it was one of the few polls that they allowed in Saudi Arabia. Wow. So there's things like that where there are, you know, uh, the Arab Spring, even though a lot of it, you know, not mm. much came of it, but no. there are people in the, I, I find more people in the Middle East than I do. Like, I'm a little bit more hopeful about the general population in the Middle East than I am about Pakistan. But then when I read something like this, I'm just wondering, like, you know, are we going to forget about it? Like, okay, ISIS is dead. We don't care. And then until something else comes up that's that horrific are we just going to brush it aside and are we just going to let those people, you know, like the people who live there, um, you know, to their own devices. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think the whole Rahaf thing happened, um, and brought kind of a little bit more awareness. And I think, I, I think that's maybe opened a door and that's, that's, you know, nothing to do with kind of ISIS. Um, but it's, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just too optimistic. <laughs> I just, I, I do think um, that once the ISIS problem, we, we don't want it to happen again. You know, it's not like ISIS was some kind of simple thing, even if it is defeated. It's not like we're kind of like, okay, everything's back to normal. Like, it, so many people are scarred from that. And, you know, we don't want that extremist view to ever come up again. And part of that is looking at the way that other countries look at islam and look at you know the laws and things like that so maybe i'm a little bit more jaded okay there's a book by um this guy philip gravich 
and he wrote this book called We Wish to Inform You That Tomorrow We Will Be Killed With Our Families. And it was a story oh. of the Rwanda genocide. And that was actually um, from a letter that was sent by um, uh, Tutsi uh, Catholics to the, the to the bishop or the cardinal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was um, Hutu. So, and they were like, we're hiding this church, we're going to get killed. And in his book, he talks about this one night and as the Rwandan genocide is going on, and it's picking up steam, because uh, I think there was in one point in three months, if they'd kept on that speed, they they had outpaced, like the rate they were going at in those three months, they'd outpaced what the concentration camps in Nazi Germany were doing at their height. Mm-hmm. And they were doing this with machetes and wow. swords and stuff. Okay, like it was nuts. Um, and he said that this, this genocide was going on and he was at an opening of a Holocaust museum and everyone mm-hmm. was talking about never again mm-hmm. while, oh. while an active genocide is going on. So like right, I said, maybe right. I'm a little bit more cynical, maybe I'm a little more jaded, but you know, like I said, it's, if, if the problem goes back to the Middle East and it stays there internally and locally and it brews and festers for 20 years and then it explodes, you know, because I do see a lot of people just saying, oh, well, ISIS is defeated. Yay, we've won. Mm. I do think we're in a different world now, though, with social media. I mean, I know that sounds so simplistic, but I do think that things things have changed. Then, you know, people are more sensitive, which, um, you know, perhaps too sensitive in some ways. But um, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like our world is changing and, like, people are more vocal and able to speak out and... You know, I don't think Rahaf would have happened. Uh, like, she would never have been saved if it were, like, just a few years ago. I don't think so. Well, I can't really say that. But, you know, like, it's just a totally different oh, world I mean, we're in. I mean, okay, you don't even I think it was only two or three, I think at the most two or three years ago with Dina Ali. It was the same kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah, and, exactly. And she got sent back. Yeah, so, we don't uh, know what's happened to her, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then I yeah. think you, they don't even know what happened to a friend of hers who went to the prison to check on her, and then she's been missing since then. So there was another one. And then, then I mean, luckily, again, a couple of days ago, the uh, the two sisters in Hong Kong, they were given um, they were given yeah. asylum in a third party, in a third country. So, yeah. they, you know, again, that's social media helping. And, exactly. You know, that, that's, but what I'm, you know, that helps those people who are not in the Middle East. But I'm talking about, if, so if... The jihad does go back home, or if this extremism, and I'm not saying that it's not there already, like obviously Saudi Arabia has a lot of, you know, uh, Salafi preachers and imams, all those countries do, like Al Hazar in Egypt, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. Grand, the Grand Mosque in, in Doha, all, all these places. But if more of these people who went to join ISIS start going back to their countries, like in the Middle East, and it's a lot easier oh, for them in the Middle East. Mean. And like they're bring, like what this article is saying, they're bringing the jihad back home, and they're trying right. to focus internally. Like they're not going to let messages get out that easily. And I realize that there's always ways for people to get around it. And these countries mm-hmm. aren't like China where they can block everything. They don't have the resources to do it, except for maybe Saudi. Mm. You know, so that's interesting. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's that's quite scary to think about, but. I don't know if Saudi would risk like that happening though, because then they literally would lose everything. I think they are very reliant on the West as well. Yeah, I mean, okay, granted, you have to take some other stuff into it. And like I said, I don't think 
any country in the, like I, I know they have the means to it. I don't know if they have the wherewithal to do it. Yeah. Like it's they need to sell their oil. They need to, you know they're they're pushing for this twenty thirty technology thing. Um, you know so yeah you know, they, they have to start opening up somehow or other. But hmm. it's interesting. But yeah, I yeah I, I have no idea. I mean, let's just hope that nothing like that happens and just keep talking about. I just think I really do think all the people that are speaking out against things like this are going to change things because you know even in the overall picture it may seem kind of like far away but I don't know maybe I'm just like living in like a different world (laughs) I do I do think so I just think a lot of people didn't weren't heard even many people spoke about kind of Sharia law and what it's capable of and, and and how it can lead to things like ISIS um but I do think this is kind of like a whole nother wave of people that are kind of really just exposing it for what it is um, without the kind of bigotry, but just the honesty. Well, okay. I think that's a kind of good, hopeful note to end it on. But uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. And I mean, I, please, if you have anything that you got coming up or you want to promote or anything like that. or Not really. Just just check out my channel, Mimsy Vids. I've, I've got a bunch of stuff coming out constantly, so. <laughs> well, I'll put a link to your channel uh, when I put this out. And thanks again. Cool. And thank you everyone thank for listening. Thank you. And uh, talk soon. Thanks so much. Bye.